Background Adventures podcast. I'm joined by Mel Urbecker on the Sunshine Coast. Hi, Mel. Hi, Scotty. How's your South African? <laughs> um, we don't talk about that on the podcast. Let's hear, let's hear your best South African impersonation. Oh, no. I will just offend like a large population of people if I even try. Nah, I think people enjoy it. <laughs> that was a little bit more Irish than South African. <laughs> so we're having a South African episode this week. But before we do that, let's listen to some news. Park runners from all over the world converged on New York City to participate in the New York Marathon. With the iconic city yet to boast its own park run, many parkrun adventurers partook of a pre-marathon parkrun day warm-up in Central Park. Numerous parkrunners volunteered at the Perth 2016 World Masters Athletics Championships over the weekend in support of all the countries participating in the marathon and half-marathon events. While parkrunners also participated themselves, it's testament to the spirit of parkrun that so many were out there supporting the event, their peers and other athletes. Neka Okonta joined the Pill Club at Burley Griffin in the ACT, becoming only the 14th parkrunner in the world to do so. There are currently 18 parkrunners who have completed seven of the eight Australian states and territories. And the man for whom the Peel Club was named also joined a new club on the weekend. Brendan Peel completed his 100th different parkrun event at Karkarook Parkrun's launch in Victoria to join the Cow Club on Saturday. Infamous social running club the Westerfoldians dominated at the Run for Fireys over the weekend. Run for Fireys is a fun run to aid the local CFA and it includes a 4K, 6K and 10.6K options. Parkrunners Alison Nucky and Simon Two won their respective events, while the Westerfoldians took out the team title for the second year running. Sounds like those Westerfoldians need to get themselves a bigger trophy cabinet. It's certainly growing. This is, this is our third event where we've taken out the title. The third Run for Fireys event or just the third event, different third event of, for teams? Third event. We've done Run for Fireys twice and a couple of weeks ago. We took over the um, Sweat versus Steam title as well. We're a force. Good job. Yeah, good day. Also in the news, we mentioned the Karkarook launch that I went to and I shared Brendan Peel joining the Cow Club. It was a nice launch, nice and flat two-lap course. A bit windy, a bit windy I think everywhere was windy on the weekend. But we got cold in Melbourne too. It was like this Arctic blast coming through the park. Oh, I think I can hear. Was... I think I can hear your fan on. You want me in to the turn background. it off? <laughs> no, but I've, I've I've got the heater on still down here. <laughs> Getting completely jack of it. And I'd hate to think, you know, a lot of people go to parkrun launch, and they probably never go back. And so I'd hate to think that's people's memories of Karkarook. This freezing cold Arctic wind. Because I think it's a really nice run and it'll be a great event. But I do feel sorry for launches that have terrible weather. Well, the only way is up, isn't it? This Unless is Unless you live in Victoria. <laughs> and quite possibly it could be worse next week. 
stick with it, Kakarook Park Runners. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Any adventures for you on the weekend? I actually did have sort of a parkrun-related adventure. I was, uh, what's the word? I'm going to use the word blessed. I was blessed to attend a bit of a parkrun wedding on Saturday afternoon and evening. So, and in in line with the South African theme, the bride is actually South African, also Australian, but of South African heritage. And um, I learned a new word. Have you ever heard of lobola? No. Any relation to labamba? <laughs> I don't think so. Lobola in Zulu is the term given to property that is in cash or kind, as in often like herds of cattle, that a prospective husband gives to the head of the prospective wife's family. So Kelly, being the bride of South African descent, her uh, now husband was expected to give Lobola to her mother and her mother's family. Um, whether or not he's going to pay that off over time, <laughs> it's yes, yet to be determined. But I say it's a, a parkrun-related wedding because Kelly is the person responsible for essentially my involvement in parkrun because she is the founding event director of Kiwana Parkrun and she brought it to the Sunshine Coast and opened up a whole new world to me and basically changed my life. So it was really beautiful to be able to go and see her marry her gorgeous sweet loving husband on Saturday and be a part of the celebrations of that new union that is big news congratulations Kelly she's a big and name Christian and Christian she's a big name in Parkrun without her it may not as be as big as it currently is it certainly wouldn't be It's time to continue our global adventures and we're heading to another country where parkrun is massive. In fact, it's probably the country that parkrun is growing the most at the moment. We're heading to South Africa and we're speaking to Bruce Fordyce. Welcome, Bruce. Hi, Scott. Yes, hi, Mel. Can I just start off by saying one of my favourite parkruns in the world is uh, Claysbrook Cove in Perth. And I'm particularly fond of Perth because that's where the South African cricket team have just won the first test. That's the only time I'm going to tease you guys. And now we can <laughs> get on. <laughs> um, Parkrun in South Africa. It really is massive, isn't it? Um, yeah, we, we've in South Africa, we've had phenomenal growth. Um, and there are a couple of reasons for that that I, could, I can discuss with you. Uh, but just to give you a rough idea, we started... Um, this Saturday, by the way, is our birthday, and we turned five. We started with one parkrun, as all parkrun countries do, one parkrun in a park in Johannesburg called Delta Park, and 26 people came along. And shortly after our birthday on Saturday, we will reach uh, half a million registrations. Obviously, they don't all run every single Saturday, but we're getting between 28 and 30,000 people running uh, every Saturday, and we're now up to uh, about 88, 89 park runs, and that's taken five years. Can we go back to 28 runners at Delta Park Run, yeah. the first event? How did you actually bring 
park run to South Africa? Because you are famous, you've got a fantastic running record, but how did that lead to bringing park run to South Africa? Okay, so the, the connection to park run is that Paul Sinton Hewitt, the founder of park run in the UK, is a good friend of mine. And in our big marathon that we have, it's actually an ultra marathon here in South Africa called the Comrades Marathon, but it's 90 kilometers. Um, Paul was once my second in in that race. He was bringing my drinks and, you know, t- giving me information, all the stuff that a kind of an aide or a second or a pacer, as they call them in, the, in America, uh, does. And I went across to run the 2011 London Marathon. And Paul heard that I was there and asked me, please, he came along to a talk that I gave there and then asked me, please, to come along to Bushy Park, where it all began, uh, and have a run. And to be brutally honest with you, I didn't really want to because it was a Saturday. I didn't feel like running a 5K uh, when I had a marathon to run the following morning. Uh, But he was very persuasive. And I went along with my wife, Jill, and we ran. And uh, it was a lovely, lovely morning at Bushy Park. All the deer were out. There were probably seven, eight hundred runners, and I saw the magic immediately. And then said to Paul, "Well, we both said to Paul, we've got to start this in South Africa." And that's and that's he said, "Well, that's why I invited you." And as with all things, we went back. That was April 2011, and you procrastinate and you spend a bit of time thinking about it, and other things interfere. And we finally found this park that we could do it in, called Delta Park. And by the time we had all the permissions, and we did about six or seven uh, dress rehearsal runs because we were so nervous. And so we started in November 2011. So it took us a few months to get going. And as I say, 26 South African pioneers came along to the first one. The following week, I think there were 17 because it was raining. And nothing very much happened. As with all parkrun growth, I think nothing very much happens for a while. And then the graph of the growth is not really, it's not a sort of a linear upward uh, climb. It goes off like a Saturn V rocket suddenly. Somewhere along the line, word of mouth, I don't know what happens. And our numbers just started doubling at, uh, at Delta Park, started doubling every single Saturday. And from then on, one of the guys who came said, it's a bit far for me to come. Can I start a park run at my part of Johannesburg, which is a, a suburb called Rudaport? And he started there, and then the third one started uh, in a suburb called Benoni. And amazingly, our fourth one started at the coast in a little coastal town called East London. And from then on, we just kept growing. Five years on on the Park Run Global Board. How many events are you growing at? Like, what's the rate of growth at the moment, Bruce? How many events do you launch on average each month? Okay, so we we looked at Australia sometime and. And Tim in Australia is going much faster than us in terms of events. Um, and I think each country has its own its own pattern and its own way of doing things. We are very keen. And obviously, we have a smaller country. I mean, Australia is vast, so to get around is, is a major task. But we have a very hands-on approach. So we like to be present, if we can, at the launch of every single park run in South Africa so that if you had to say to me, Bruce, tell me about uh, Uvongo Parkrun or tell, tell us about um, uh, Kwamashu Parkrun or whatever, I'd be able to tell you all about it, what the course is like, who our event director is. 
And so we have that approach to it. So we're quite slow in starting new ones. So we probably average about two a month. That's I, I'm looking at I'm looking at say a month where we might have four, but then we'll get a month like January because of summer holidays where we might only start one. That's still not a low average. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, but, um, but it's you know it's it, we think it's manageable, and we might change, and we might end up um, going a bit faster. But we like to have a certain amount of control and to check that things are still okay. You know, with the best intentions, sometimes park run park runs, and the teams can be a little bit naughty, and the next thing, it's. You know, it's a bit of a dangerous route, or it's um, not quite five k's, and and that kind of thing. So we just like to to know what's happening, and if somebody asks us about a park run, we can tell them. Well, that's I think probably evidenced by your personal park run record. You've done two hundred and thirty three park runs altogether. Have you run all of the events in South Africa? I've actually done one hundred and one different events now, and of those, eighty eight of them will have been every single South African park run. And then the others are because I'm travel around a bit and I'm quite fortunate to travel. And I, I absolutely love the way it, it, that it's uncanny, the way that park run, the model works, no matter where you are. And you can be uh, running Parramatta park run. We went, we went to the inaugural Parramatta park run. And apart from the strange Australian accents, it's exactly the same. <laughs> and then, and then, but then we um, we've run uh, Gdynia Park Run in Poland, and apart from the fact that everything is in Polish, your barcode works. It's five k's. You get your results. You get the same warm welcome. In fact, more of a warm welcome if you're a visitor from another country. Um, and it's just amazing how it works. The South African Park Runs. You've got a couple of really large events haven't you i think you've got you hold the record for having the largest attendance at a park run how do your local event teams handle the larger numbers attending your events well yeah scott to begin with we i think that we learned a little bit from from bushy we looked at um some video footage of bushy when you know with when they have large numbers of over a thousand um, but our teams have just got really good at, at, at handling that sort of thing they've become practiced and luckily you know, if I look at, I'm looking at the biggest in the world, which is North Beach, Durban. Luckily, it took them a while to get there. So they had a gentle learning curve before the Saturn V rocket took off. And so they were able to cope. They've got wonderful volunteer teams, and they've got a lot of people who are keen to volunteer. And, and they've got the systems in place. Um, and they're very good when, I call it the bell curve. When the bell curve arrived, that's when you're, the most number of people are crossing the line per minute. Yeah, they, they, they seem to be quite slick at it and there's a lot of learning from everybody. And we won't let a new park run start unless the people at that park run have volunteered and helped and done a number of the key jobs at another park run, first of all. Now, when you say the biggest event in the world, what numbers are we talking? Well, uh, North Beach... Now they would in the pouring rain they get twelve hundred. In the in in uh, May last year it was the day before our major marathon. I'm trying to think of the equivalent in in Australia, but 
I don't think there really is one, but, I, but it would be our, our major marath- ultra marathon comrades is the same as a Boston or a New York or a London. And so the day before, it's run on a Sunday. On the Saturday, they had 1,800 um, because they also had all the visitors who were over to run the big one on the Sunday, but they all want to tick a Durban park run. So they walk or jog very slowly the day before just to be able to add, the, add that particular one to their CV, but we, we've got a number now that are, we've got about 11 park runs that can get over a thousand people. And I think if I can add here, the key, and I, I know it's changing, but my experience of a park run in the UK, and I'm talking a, a year or two ago, was that it was more like a race and more like a time trial. And that's how park run began. It began initially as UK time trial. Um, and so there are faster, slicker, more athletic people lining up, whereas in South Africa, at least half our people, half our park runners don't even run. We should be calling it park walk. They walk uh, and they take a long time. And so our back markers can take an hour, an hour and a quarter. Probably the bell curve of our park runs is somewhere around 45 minutes. So, so typically, in a, if I look at Durban North Beach, We've got a couple of really quick lads there who will do it, and some of the girls as well. But guys will run North Beach in 14 minutes, 14, 15, something like that. But this is just an imaginary character I've invented. And a, a large Afrikaans lady, I've in, invented her called Tani Labaskachni. Tani Labaskachni will take an hour and 15 minutes to get across the line. Or Tandi Zalilu, a large Zulu lady, she will take an hour and 20 minutes to get across the line. And we wait for her and we give her her time and she is over the moon two weeks later when she knocks 10 minutes off it. And so we have found that our park runs are very welcoming for non-athletic types and people feel no one's going to laugh at them. They will, if as long as they bought their barcode, they will get their time, they will get their result and they will be welcome. And so that's where our growth has really exploded. I love that you... You're, you sound obviously very proud of the fact that you've got 50% park walkers. We're, we're also very uh, encouraging of that in Australia. I haven't had the pleasure of experiencing a park run in the UK yet. But yes, it's, it's great to see the walkers. I'm talking about the UK a couple of years ago. I mean, they definitely are moving in this direction too because I think that's where the greatest contribution that park run can make lies, you know, because... An elite athlete who can get around a 5K in 15 minutes or the ladies in 16 or so, you know, they're, they're running anyway. And if parkrun didn't exist, they would be running anyway. They'd be representing their, in South Africa, their province or their, even their country or, you know, getting medals in major road races and stuff. It's the fact that these other people who can't find an environment where they are welcome and they can do their own thing, that's where I think our greatest contribution lies across the globe in bringing people in, um, improving their health, and letting them have a wonderful Saturday morning. I mean, I can give you this one because it, 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 it gave me goosebumps. Was a, a, we have a park run in a place called Mashishing, which is in a, uh, a province called Mpumalanga. And I, I went there. So what we also do is we go back occasionally to visit our old, uh, other park runs. So we never like to go to a park run once. It's getting harder and harder. But if we can, we go back and visit and see how they're do- getting along. And we went back to Mashashing and I ran and I'd run for me quite a good time. I'm chatting to everybody and the volunteers. And long time after I'd finished, a lady crossed the line. And as she crossed the line, she punched the air. 
and she let out a big whoop of happiness. And I said, why are you so happy? She said, because for the first time in my life, I've broken an hour. And I thought that that was just really wonderful. That to me was what Parkrun is about. She broke her own goal. She is never going to frighten anyone in Nairobi, but she, you know, she ran a great time for her. What a wonderful story. And we, we do get a lot of those sorts of stories as well. Now, Bruce, we've talked about your biggest events. Um, in Australia, we also enforce the fact that we don't um, consider the success of an event to be about numbers. What would you say is the smallest event that you guys have in South Africa? Uh, yeah, and Mel, by the way, I completely agree with you. Numbers, is that's not, you know, it's, it's gratifying to see that a lot of people are going, but it also, as you touched on, brings with it its problems of how you cope with those numbers. Parking, issues with the people who live around, they get quite irritated. You know, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. Um, and to me, the most important thing is the contribution to the local community. So it can be a small park run. If it's making a difference in a small area, we're delighted. So I'll give you one. Um, summer fields. It's not really a great deal because it sounds like a kind of an English park run in a Lincolnshire uh, a country or a countryside or something. Summer fields is actually borders the Kruger National Park. It's about few kilometers outside the Kruger Park, they on occasion have to cancel or move their course to a bee route because there are hippos lying on the side of the river that they run on. And you don't want to tell a cow hippo that she must move out the way because we're doing park run. <laughs> You'll get flattened. Um, so Summerfields at times has had fewer than 10 people because it's in a, it's in a small little it's almost a village called Hazyview, uh, right near the Kruger National Park, and they just don't have a big community. But if I had to go to Andre van Heerden, who's the event director at Summerfields, and tell him, Andre, it's not really worth it, let's close it down, he would jump on a plane to come over here and break my nose, you know, because it, he, he loves it, the community there love it, and obviously at times they have bigger turnouts than that. Um, and they because they border on the Kruger Park, they get an enormous number of visitors from around the world so because people are en route to go into the park uh, or on their way back and so they uh, these are park runners of course so they think oh well it's a saturday morning let's time it to go and run uh, to go and run summerfields park run and we have quite a few like that uh, park run right in the northern cape called springbok they have 30 people occasionally gets as big as 50 for them but it can on a freezing cold winter's morning they can get down as low as you know 10 or 15 people but we would never say that that's not a success. Bruce one of the things we like to ask our guests is for their top three park runs but we have a oh. we have a disclaimer that they can't include their home park run and I think it's safe for you to consider South Africa as your home. Have you got a top three of park runs you've done overseas? Uh, okay, so I've done, I think, 13 or 14 overseas. What, what did I love? Um, wow. Uh, Top one from each country, perhaps. Yeah, I, well, I've only done one in Poland, but we loved Gdynia because it was so Polish. And we happened to run it, amazingly, on May Day, the first, when it's a national holiday. And in the distance, you can see the, the, um, the great big cranes that were part of the whole solidarity movement that whole 
thing with Lech, Walesa and everything, you could see they have left these old cranes there. So it's quite a historic place. Uh, it was May, so it should be summer, but it was freezing. And if you look across the Baltic, you can see Russia. Um, the Polish parkrunners we met were so welcoming and, and great to be with. And it was it's flat. It's completely flat on concrete. Along, it's, it's just alongside the edge of the docks. But there were swans swimming in the sea, so that also made it quite uh, amazing. Wow, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think you, you know, I'd have to put Bushy because that's the High Cathedral. That's where it all began, and we ran Bushy as our very first park run with no idea what we were doing and what park run was about. I didn't even know why do I have to have this barcode and how does it work, and that it was all done for me by Paul. Um, but that was lovely with the deer and the antlers. An Australian one, I think, yeah, I, I loved Mossman um, running in, in amongst the yachts. Even though it's a three-lapper and you can get a bit confused, so Mossman was great. Uh, we did a freedom run at Ginandera in Canberra. That was also a lovely one to do. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've got my bucket list of park runs that I want to do around the world. It's going to be extremely expensive. <laughs> but I've got, I've got a few that I've got got to do. In, in in South Africa, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, the politics. My my variant, various event directors and teams would kill me. But we we have some, you know, that are so African that you just love them. In Kumasi, on the border of uh, Mozambique, it's uh, Cannibal's Cave, which is a Zulu park run. You look at the Drakensberg Mountains, which are just majestic while you're running this with all the the huts around and the youngsters burying you, completely destroying you barefoot because they've got no shoes. Um, that's that's a great park run. Um, and then the one that I call them the Monaco Grand Prix of park runs is Century City in Cape Town. Don't tell Paul and Tom and Nick and the guys, but uh, part of it runs straight through the shops. It's the only way they can get that. <laughs> so they open the door. So it's exactly like Monaco. So you run alongside the... It's like the Raskas and everything that you get in the Monaco Grand Prix. You run alongside these yachts and then you're running alongside a canal Then over a bridge underneath you there's people paddling because there's a lot of great paddlers in South Africa and they're training. And then in order to get from the one section to the other, you've actually got to dive through the shopping centre. So they open the doors um, and you run through the shopping centre. And as you run past, the people are sitting on the left-hand side having breakfast. So as you run past, you say, listen, 15 minutes, I'll be back here. Order me a cappuccino. See you now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, that that's pretty unique. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, and we've you know we've got we've got some really wonderful park runs. The one I mentioned, Springbuck, with it's up in the Northern Cape, which is kind of semi-desert. We've got quiver trees, and if you go there in October, September, October, all the Namaquiland flowers are out, and it's just a riot of colour. It's absolutely beautiful. If you run Fort Trekker Monument Park Run in Pretoria right this Saturday, you, it goes up a steep hill and you look down and because of our jacaranda trees, the whole of Pretoria is just mauve. It's completely purple. With all these trees have turned purple, so that's also a gorgeous one. Yeah, and then we've got Route 44, which is through a vineyard. That's a fabulous park run. Um, but, you know, they're all close to my heart. They're... Uh, they're really great. Mafolo Park in Soweto, that's an iconic run. Not the prettiest. South Africans ha have a national sport called littering. So you can run through quite a lot of litter. 
but it's just it's Mafula Park and it's uh, in the right in the centre of Soweto, so it's a very iconic park run. That's also a great. You're getting me all excited, Bruce. I mean, Mel and I have talked about doing a park run adventures tour. I think our first tour has to be to South Africa. Yeah, I'm pretty keen. Let us know when you're coming, and then if you 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 got to do a week in Kruger because then you can do a park run either side on the Saturday. And who doesn't want to dodge hippopotami? Yeah, yeah. No, look, that's, that's so rare. That, but but you know, <laughs> animals and animals and nature are part of South African park runs, as I'm sure they are in parts of Australia. You know, I'm sure. Uh, our favourite one, by the way, I can tell you this story. It's a divine story. So I'm, I'm going to forget the actual name of the English park run, so they mustn't sue me. But it was something like Huddersfield, and it was the middle of December. And we were starting our Inkomazi Park Run, which is just outside Kruger Park in this township called Inkomazi, as I said, bordering on the Mozambique border. And we were just picking up the various tweets and messages coming through. And so we got this message from Huddersfield that arrived and said, come on, everybody. It's a beautiful winter's morning. It's only minus five. And there's no black, <laughs> and there's no, and there's no black ice. There's no black ice. So it's safe the whole way around. And somebody thinks they saw a badger so so we, so, wait, so, wait, so, so we we replied so we instantly had to reply come on everybody it's the opening of Inkumazi park run it's plus 35 degrees and we're going to have to delay the start because several of us are held up by three lions lying in the road <laughs> and we got a rude message back from Huddersfield this is a family program because I can't tell you what they said to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but badgers are gorgeous. No, of course they are. Yeah, and, and by the way, the lions, I don't want you to suddenly think the risk assessment must be interesting at Inkomazi. The lions were in the Kruger Park, but because people had come down to lots of South Africans, we have a huge number of tourists that I can chat about. The tourists travel around doing as many different park runs as they can. And so when there was Inkomazi was starting, a lot of them booked into the various lodges and camps in the Kruger Park so that they could drive through, do the park run, and then go back into the park. And they couldn't get out of the Kruger Park because there was a pride of lions lying across the road. And they were messaging us desperately, please hold up the start, please. <laughs> you, can't, you also can't jump out your car and tell the lions to move. I have to ask, is it somebody's job to go check the course for hippopotami and other such animals that have come out of the park? Or... Does, does somebody drive around to do that or is somebody out there on foot? No, you know, that it, I, I, that I'm really exaggerating, so I don't want you to think that that's a common occurrence. That would be something that would happen <laughs> once, once in a blue moon, you know. So all our park runs have been chosen to be safe, so. Okay. I have a thing about large animals that can eat me, so. And I'm not a fast runner. <laughs> no, there's nothing that's going to eat you. I won't mention the Mozambican spitting cobra. But apart from <laughs> <laughs> snakes, I can deal with. I've seen photographs of snakes at some of your park. In fact, when we did we did Main Beach, my wife Jill came around the corner, and there was a very large, very long brown snake lying there. Yes, we've we've had eastern browns on my home park run, and we've actually also had a snake attack a dog that was park running as well. So um, these things happen. And they've got badges. No, no. We, in fact, they've got deer. We, when I ran Richmond Park Run, which is another one I love. Have you ever seen Fenton the dog? You have. 
and Google, go and I can't. It's, it's, go and Google Fenton the dog. It's about a dog who it's it's a real really really happened who tried to herd all the deer in Richmond Park. Oh, I have seen that that YouTube video, <laughs> and his owner is calling out to him, and he just never came back. Yeah, yeah. So YouTube it, not Google. Yeah. So Fenton. So now you know what I'm talking about. And the poor owner's going hysterical because Fenton's is is herding all the deer and pushing them into the onto the main motorway. Uh, uh, yeah, um, he's desperately trying to get Fenton. But Fenton's a sheepdog, so Fenton's doing what he's been bred to do, and he's looking at the deer's heels and getting them all to be in a neat little group, all 150 of them, and then herd them across the highway. So I was running Richmond Park Run and doing it seriously. And, uh, you know, once you get into the older age categories, the competition can be quite intense. So the moment I see another balding, grey-headed guy, there's no way I'm going to let him go past him. So, that's, so we've got a group of about five or six of us hurtling along as, as fast as we can in our age category. And suddenly, right through the middle of us, five deer just went bounding right through the middle of us. I mean, they, if they'd hit one of us, it would have knocked us out. And anyway, everyone said, watch out, look out, look out. And then we carried on racing. And, and suddenly it came back into my mind. How am I going to get rid of these guys who I'm racing with? So I just shouted out, Fenton! Fenton! <laughs> and they all started laughing so much that I got them. I got away from them because they couldn't breathe. They were laughing so much. Well played. Yeah, great. I'm cunning. <laughs> hey, Bruce, before we let you go, it's yeah. your birthday this weekend. What are the plans for your fifth? No, 3rd of December. Oh, 3rd of December. Oh, the birth, oh, my birthday. Sorry. Oh, you see, I'm being so selfish. Oh, yes, it's it's Parkrun South Africa's birthday. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. On my, on my birthday, I'm going to go uh, to Saturday. I'm going to go and visit one of our parkruns that's within range from Johannesburg with something just to go and do one of the ones we haven't done before. Um, no, we're having, a, we're having a birthday party We've, with a cake and a, um, a few of our sponsors will be there and we are overcome with a sense of dread because we have a feeling that there's going to be a very large turnout. And you touched on it, you know, it's not all about size. Um, and, yeah, it could be quite a big one at Delta Park. Um, but the birthday will also be, it will be marked and noted at all our other park runs, obviously. But they tend to save their own celebrations for their own individual birthdays. Well, I hope you can still enjoy it with masses and masses of South African park runners this Saturday. Oh, yeah. We, we get lots of visitors too, and we love seeing them. And, um, and we love, you know, welcoming them to uh, our park runs. Johannesburg Park Run is tough, by the way. We have hills, and we have another ingredient called high altitude. So you suddenly notice that your heart is banging away inside your chest, and you're going nowhere. That's because it's uh, high altitude and thinner oxygen. Our park runs in Joburg are quite hard. Well, that sounds perfect for me, right up my alley. So I can't wait. <laughs> After speaking to you, um, we're definitely putting South Africa on the list to visit. No, you must. Let's know when you're coming. Thanks for joining us on the pod this week, and happy birthday yeah, for Saturday. Yeah, and good luck in the second test.
gentleman who's just been on some wonderful adventures to South Africa is now joining us on the pod. You will recognize his voice. He's been here before. Welcome back to the Parkrun Adventurers, Robbo. Thank you very much, guys. G'day, Mel. G'day, Scott. And g'day, listeners. And uh, great to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. And back on Australian soil. Tell us all about yes, your back- trip to South Africa. What'd you get up to? Thanks, mate. Yeah, no. Back on Australian soil and almost back on the Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time Zone as well. But yeah, um, went out to South Africa for a three-week family holiday, Scotty, and uh, geez, it was a fantastic time. I've, I've enjoyed a few trips over there. My wife, Gabby, her sister actually lives in Cape Town. She's She's been there for oh, well over 10 years, and so we've had a enjoyed a few trips over there and enjoyed a few running adventures along the way, but took our young daughters over there this time. Uh, Grace is four and Emma's coming up to two. So it was a bit of a different trip with a couple of young girls in tow, but uh, still got time to get around to some different runs and uh, yes, snuck a couple of park run adventures in over there in South Africa, which was uh, fantastic. So really enjoyed the trip. It's probably not a popular uh, or overly popular uh, travel destination for a lot of Aussies. And I guess a lot of people are security conscious but I've got to say, uh, it's a beautiful country, the Rainbow Nation, and there's, there's plenty of colour and activity, and uh, Cape Town in particular is a stunning city, and uh, yeah, the South Africans, as you'll know uh, from speaking to other guests on this week's show, I believe, are just running mad, and so it's great to see the way they've embraced Parkrun, and, and it was great to get a little taste of that while we were there. Well, Bruce has just gone through all the Parkruns in South Africa. They all sound great. Which ones did you get to? Yeah, mate. So I was running a different uh, trail event on the first Saturday we were there on uh, on the garden route called the Otter Trail. That was a, an undertaking that was pretty serious in another way. It was about eight eight and a bit park runs, that one. So unfortunately, I missed the park run day that day. But we got back to Cape Town and we headed down to Greenpoint Park Run, which is a very central location down there under the shadows of Cape Town Stadium, the stadium that was built uh, for the 2010 Football World Cup. And funnily enough, I'm claiming this one a little bit, guys, because um, on a previous our previous trip to South Africa in 2012, Gabby and I ran around uh, Greenpoint Park with Gab's sister, Beck, and I tweeted in jest at the time and tagged in PSH and Bruce saying, I've just run the course for the proposed Greenpoint Park Run. Uh, well, in my opinion, anyway. And anyway, a few years later on, they actually did kick off a park run in that exact location. So I had to go and do that one and felt like I had a little tiny 2% of, of something to do with getting that one up and up and going. But it's it's taken off and we were in the, uh, I've got to say, the flogging down rain. It's one of those classic situations where the crowd assembled. We had our first time as briefing. There was some light drizzle. It was coming in sideways, a lot of wind. And then right before the gun goes, it absolutely pelted down. There's, when no one can go anywhere, you've got everyone there. They can't run away, and all you can do is just suck it up. So within the first few minutes, everyone was soaking wet. But that just adds to the fun of it and adds to the adventure of it. And, uh, yeah, it's a, a flat course, a fast course. And, unfortunately, the, the scenery of Table Mountain and the other surrounding uh, mountain mountains around the place weren't quite as clear as they might be on a, on a sunny, clear day, but still a, a great course nonetheless, and I pushed the pram around. My daughter Grace was in the pram. We were lucky enough to be, I think, the first pram finishers on the day, the, the pram pushers, so we held up the flag for the Aussie pram pushers at Greenpoint Park Run. 
did you introduce yourself to the Greenpoint Parkrun ED and tell him the story about how you're responsible for his parkrun? We didn't have a, a direct discussion on the day. He was a bit flat out and uh, I did offer to help out with some volunteering if needed as uh, after we'd got scanned. But yeah, just because it was really bad and things were a little bit hectic with the weather, it didn't eventuate to have a, a face-to-face conversation, but I did drop the hint a few times on social media on their Facebook page and on their Twitter account as well. So I think they got the message and um, yeah, hopefully they could enjoy the fact that these mad Aussies were out here and uh, felt like they had something to do with the event. So, yeah, one of the one of the big things I'm blown away by, and I guess not a, not that surprised, I should say, but in, even in that rain, in, in what would be described as pretty miserable or challenging conditions, uh, there was the best part of six or seven hundred runners there, and they get eight, nine, a thousand, eight hundred, nine hundred, even a thousand runners uh, some weeks at that event. And it's I think it was its one hundred sixty first event, so it's an established event in Cape Town. Um, obviously, nice and flat and fast and very central and um, right in the middle of town. So, yeah, that was that was a good one to do. And then uh, the following Saturday, just before getting on a flight to Joburg, before we came home, managed to sneak in a, a very different South African parkrun experience out at a parkrun called Durbanville Hills Parkrun. Now, that's set at the beautiful Mirandale Wine Estate. And uh, they do wineries very nicely over there in, in South Africa and especially around Cape Town and out towards Stellenbosch. Uh, and they've, they've set up a number of park runs on these locations. So it was my first ever park run adventure at a winery. Um, haven't done Cirame here in Australia yet, so this was to be my first one. And, yeah, very much off-road, very much a lumpy course up and down and in and around all the vineyards. They had, a, had to actually set us up on a, an alternate route. And, um, yeah, I ran around, actually had the, the phone with me that day and did a few little videos along the way. Had the uh, the lead bike out there, got a few selfies with him, and and managed to even bag a, an Aussie first finish at that event too. So I'm claiming the, the B course course record, and that might stand for a little while unless they have someone come along and uh, take it out on a, on a different on, a, on another day when they do that alternate course. But yeah, a lot of fun there. Unfortunately, we didn't get to stick around and taste the uh, the beautiful South African wines afterwards because we had to bolt to the airport but uh, another great adventure and again you know six or seven hundred runners easily uh attending that event on a you know on a uh, on an average saturday morning nothing too spectacular to be celebrating but just strong numbers and great to see so many uh runners and walkers of all abilities and all ages turning up and they've certainly got the parkrun bug in, in south africa that's for sure nice work now, you mentioned that the first weekend you were there, you didn't do a park run because you had another event, your, your otter run. Obviously, if somebody's going to sacrifice a park run, it's got to be for something good. This one looks pretty grueling to me. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, well, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I jagged a, an entry through my sister-in-law who lined it up many, many months ago and I, I jumped at the opportunity not really knowing a hell of a lot about the event and um, and a month ago I thought I better just suss this out and uh, yeah, I was, I was sort of hearing a little bit of research that was telling me this was a pretty serious undertaking. It's an amazing uh, trail, guys. It's, uh, it's, it's called the Otter Trail. It's actually a hiking trail. And in South Africa, if you want to jump, if you want to get on there and actually hike it, it's a five-day hike. There's set uh, huts along the way that you stay in, and there's actually a waiting list, uh, and you go on that, and, and you can wait for up to a year to get uh, approved to actually, you know, get your crack at trying to hike the Otter Trail. So it's very, very famous, 
and very prestigious, I guess. And it's known just for how tough it is as well. So a couple of days a year, uh, they've been running this event now for about eight years, and uh, they have yeah, it's a trail running event, and the runners of, of South Africa are lucky enough to come and actually run on this pretty sacred uh, and and hallowed trail uh, there on the beautiful coastline on the Garden Route. So it's it's pretty dramatic. It's very very uh, scenic. I got to say, it's a bit hairy in places. You're running along on some single track, and uh, you know three meters to the right, you can be falling off a cliff some 80 metres down into the Indian Ocean. So, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting to see not, not a lot of the uh, safety concerns that we probably have here in Australia where you'd have barriers and ropes and things to protect people there. And I was chatting to a few of the locals. They said, hey, this is Africa. That's the way we roll. If you, if you don't like it, you know, um, don't, don't enter it. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a bit of rock climbing at times. There was a creek crossing and just a, a more stairs than I could, I could begin to count. I think over 7,000 upstairs and, and that again coming back down too. So uh, for those that like their elevation stats, I think a bit over 2,600 uh, total metres of elevation. So um, by halfway, you know, 20 odd Ks, the whole thing's about 40, 42 Ks. By halfway, it was easily the hardest thing I'd ever done and uh, I just had to find some something in, inside me to keep going. But just, yeah, it just kept being, I guess, uh, awestruck by the beauty and the, and the scenery of the, of the place and it felt a bit rude to actually be running through it you wanted to sort of stop and have a picnic and enjoy the scenery at, at all these different places which due to a bit of cramp I was actually forced to do which was in a way quite nice but um, yeah for the event that I did there was an eight-hour cutoff I scraped through in a, I think seven hours 54 so um, just getting under the, the cutoff and bagging that medal so yeah it was it was an amazing experience and I, not an experience I think many Aussies have done so hopefully some of the listeners uh, to the pod today are, are hearing this and, and might get interested. Check it out. It's the Otter uh, African Trail Run. And, um, yeah, on each year. So it's, I definitely think it's, it's, it's one for Aussie trail enthusiasts to check out and, and get amongst. Sounds tough. If you did it in seven hours, you're a handy runner. <laughs> you mentioned so – I know you mentioned the safety of the um, trail, but what about the safety of holidaying around South Africa? I think that might put a few yeah. people off. It obviously didn't put I you think, guys off. No, and look, and, we, and Scotty, we were lucky to be there, and we had you know everything laid out for us with with my, my wife's sister, who has, as I say, has lived there for a number of years, and, and her partner as well, to sort of steer us around and you know and and make sure we're we're staying in the right areas, especially around Cape Town. I think it's like any big city, you know, you can you can find trouble and you can find some less desirable uh, parts of town um, in any probably big city, but. Yeah, you know, I the whole time we were there, and we had a young two young girls there with us, and uh, um, our daughters, and you know, didn't didn't feel unsafe at all, and it's it's probably um, something that yeah holds a lot of Aussie travellers back uh, from from going over to South Africa, but yeah, you know, it just it literally it, it it could be an extension of Australia at times. Some of the countryside is very similar. They've even you know even got a lot of eucalyptus trees there. It's it's similar climate. It's a similar um, outlook on, on life. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a number of social challenges as, as we face here in Australia as well. Um, but, yeah, on the, on the whole, very, you know, very safe experience and, and, you know, one that we look back fondly and our, our daughters look back on fondly as well. And um, they've, you know, they've come back with, you know, that's the first time they've done that sort of travel and they've come back with a whole new newfound confidence and 
and I think they want to get they want to move back there. That's how much they loved it. <laughs> they were spoiled by their auntie the whole time, but um, now they fell in love with the place and, and the people were very friendly and a bit of a novelty to have the Aussies over there. But yeah, I, you know, I get your point definitely, Scotty, and and probably why they haven't seen more Aussies, particularly maybe in that event. Yeah, I guess on a I'd love to love to sort of by sharing discussions around the event and, and our experience there. Hopefully, you know, get a few Aussies keen. The exchange rate, as much as anything, is a good a reason to get over there. Um, it's pretty healthy for the Aussie dollar at the moment. Unfortunately, the South African rand isn't all that strong, but it's great for Aussie travellers if you if you want to head over there. So, um, yeah, a lot, lot of positive things to say about a, a trip to South Africa. Well, stay tuned for the Parkrun Adventurers South African tour bus <laughs> we're going to put together. Perfect. Now, let's bring it back to Australia. Over the weekend, Nitro Athletics was launched. You're a big athletics guy. What's your feelings about this new endeavour that AI? Oh, yeah, yeah. Love this was this was an interesting one, Scotty, and it's been brewing for a little while. Athletics Australia has hinted that they've been angling towards this this new uh, exciting format of of track and field, and I guess likening it to a 2020 cricket uh, style of athletics. Uh, short and sharp and fast and exciting and um, my take on it Scotty it's a bit like if some listeners might remember back in the day it's a knockout used to used to come up on a Friday night I think and they must might have shown reruns on a Saturday morning at one point pitting state against state so you know they're going to look to have a team-based competition uh, men and women they're going to have able-bodied athletes they're going to have Paralympic athletes in there as well and have a real mixture but have some marquee athletes there as well and they've gone straight to the top and uh, have somehow lured, I think there's a, a little bit of cash involved and a bit of sponsorship dollars, but they've lured uh, Usain Bolt, none other than the great Usain Bolt, to come and be the figure, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the face of this Nitro Athletics, and he's vowed that he'll be here uh, coaching uh, one of the, the teams and, and leading, uh, leading the charge and, and competing as well. So we're going to see Usain Bolt for three nights uh, in Melbourne in February on a Saturday, a Thursday and a Saturday. Um, the format is a bit unknown at this stage. They're talking about a few sort of, you know, variations on traditional athletics events, um, 150 metres, 300 metres, some hurdle relays, various sort of fun and interesting uh, plays on, on traditional athletics. And, yeah, they're trying to really breathe, a, I guess, a fresh breath of air into the sport here in Australia. And, you know, who better to help with doing that than, than getting a fellow called Usain Bolt, who's, you know, still at the peak of his powers. It won't be him in his uh, in his prime in terms of preparation for the season, uh, but still he's looking to come out and inject a, you know, inject his brand into uh, into the sport, and it's going to be great, I think, for athletics in Australia. Um, interestingly enough, at Lakeside Stadium in Melbourne, where where the event will be held, uh, Albert Park uh, uh, is nearby, as we know. Albert uh, Park run on the Saturday mornings. Can we get Usain Bolt to a park run, or at least scanning? The barcodes. I'm on a bit of a personal mission to try and get Usain uh, park run and barcode compliant, and uh, he might be able to set some some free five k's up uh, in Kingston in Jamaica at some point. So that's that's the that's the big game for me that I, that I see with this one, Scotty. Do you reckon Usain can run five k? <laughs> I don't, well, it's it's only one. It's only what is it? Five hundred lots of. 100 metres, or 50 times 100 metres, I should say. That's it's only 50 reps. So, you know, if you give him a bit, a bit of a rest in between, he's, he's 50, what's 50 times 9 seconds, 10 seconds? It wouldn't take him too long, Give him a, even with a bit of a rest in between. So, 
Look, I don't know if he's run a lot uh, more than a, lap, a full-blooded lap of the track. So, but you know, like a lot of uh, people out there, they didn't know they were, they they were a park runner until they did a few of them and they fell in love with it. So maybe his real calling is in over the five k and he just hasn't tried it. I, I think you know he's an athletic guy. He'd he'd have no troubles managing the five k. And if it was a little bit too much for him, well, of course we we could get him uh, on the funnel, um, managing the funnel, or, or of course you know scanning those barcodes. I think he'd go pretty well with that. Well, it could be, he's finished his sprinting career, so this could be the next evolution of the Bolt machine, the 5K. Perfect. World domination of Perfect. park runs. <laughs> Robbo, you mentioned relay hurdles. Is that already a thing? Look, I've never witnessed it, and I've never taken part in it. I believe there's a thing called a shuttle, a shuttle hurdle relay, so that's hurdles in a straight line, back and forward, back and forward. I don't exactly know how that works. Do they have to carry a baton? Because I reckon, you know, people could be taking down the hurdles with batons because they're an extension of your arms and that would that, that just must throw you completely off. I, I can't really comment with that much uh, authority on it. Sorry, Mel. Uh, the other one I thought they were alluding to was, was more your 400-metre hurdle relay as well. So a bit more like a traditional 4x400 relay, but with the the hurdles to overcome. But, yeah, you're right. You know, it's hard enough thinking about jumping over those high hurdles, let alone having to carry and control uh, a relay baton at the same time. So who knows? It, it, it just might be part of, of this approach of trying to make it all a bit interesting and a bit curious and exciting. So we'll wait and see exactly the details of, of what's going to come out. But, yeah, um, that's one thing I'm told is on the schedule is hurdle relay. So we'll see what comes of it. I'll be egg and spoon relays next. You never know. <laughs> I think it all sounds like fun. I'm looking forward to see what they come up with. Thanks for coming on and sharing your adventures with us again, Robbo. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, happy adventuring. All the listeners out there, and you guys keep up the good work and we'll catch up with you again soon. We've got one launch coming up this weekend, and it's another New South Walesian event. We've got Nepean River launching on Saturday. And we have three anniversaries. So you may or may not find cake at Diamond Creek for their third, Geograph Bay for their second, and Launceston celebrating their fourth. Will you be at any of them, Mel? Not this weekend, no. None of those say Queensland, so I won't be anywhere there. It's been a while since I had a bit of an interstate adventure, though, so I should probably get another one of those on the book soon. Let's go interstate for Club Corner. For Club Corner this week, we're going to go fast because red is synonymous with the 5.30 runners, and red is synonymous with going fast. I'm not sure if that quite works, but welcome to Club Corner, Matt Ratchke. Hey, thanks, Scott. So tell us the history behind 5.30s. What does 5.30 stand for? Well, 5.30 runners stand for helping people achieve a goal of running five kilometres in in 30 minutes, because we believe it's something that most people, if they put their mind to it, could actually achieve and it kicked off in about September 2012 at Newey Park Run when Dave Robbo and Gary Wells got together and were having a chat about how we could 
provide a bit more inclusive about helping people at the back of the pack or walkers wanting to start running or people doing couch to 5k how you could help them feel more part of it and not feel overawed by all those elite runners at the front of the pack so that's where they got the name um 530 and 530 runners it doesn't mean get up at 5 530 and go for a run although many do but yeah 530 runners let's run 5k in 30 minutes so what happens when you can run 5k in 30 minutes are you kicked out of the club well it's funny yeah it's funny you know we have um we have 5.30 runners who run 5Ks in under 18 minutes, and we have 5.30 runners who are run, who are walking park run in an hour with no desire to ever run in 30 minutes, but they all proudly wear the shirt. We do have members in the group who will not get themselves any of our merchandise until they've achieved that goal of going under 30 minutes for their 5 kilometres. They see that as sort of a badge of honour, but we happily push the, uh, push the kit, push the merchandise to people help them feel part of the group wherever they go, where they travel for park run. Um, and it's, it's very, it stands out. And, you know, when you go, when I turned up at Albury with Donga Park Run one day and there was a local 5.30 runner there. I'd, I'd talked on Facebook. I'd never met her. Went up and had a chat and now we're part of the family. So it works well on that, that front. Do you know roughly how many members you have in the club, Matt? I actually did my homework after I talked to Scott earlier. I knew it was over 1,500. We actually have, as of today, and it, it grows every day, about 1,718, as of this afternoon, um, members. Now, about 70% of those would be in a, in a sort of wider hunt area near Newcastle. Um, but we also have a large group in, in Warwick, Queensland, and in Brisbane, and a, a small but dedicated group down in Geelong, and, and, and others spread out. We even have a member in California, and we have one in the UK. So, you know, we're, we're everywhere. And do you have a Facebook group where you, you know, all meet to share your 5:30 stories. Yeah, we definitely do, and that's really what that's really what 5:30 Runners is all about. It's a it is a social media thing. It is it is Facebook. We have a group, and and it is a it is a group that you can you can ask to, to join. And we, um, as long as you're a real human being and not a robot, then you know you're obviously interested in running. We'll we'll, we'll uh, include you in the group because many people use 5:30 Runners as a way to meet people and to go to social gatherings. But a lot of other people, they just use it for advice for running, uh, help, motivation, uh, support, that sort of stuff uh, online. So we have, we have members who don't live anywhere near a park run, but this is their way of connecting with other runners, and, and they love that. Um, yet others go every, every week at the same time on the same day, sometimes at 5.30 in the morning, and they'll have a running group. They're little splinter. We call them splinter groups or tribes that are, that are sort of cropping up all over the place. But 5.30 is what bands them together. One of the things I do love about running clubs that have merch is that you are easily identifiable, which means that other people can just cheer you on at various running events, wherever you are, you know, and, and they know that they're cheering for you. Was that part of the motivation of getting that started? Oh, for sure. And uh, I can remember when it first started, I wasn't part of the beginning, and I was one of those people that thought, well, you know, I'm running five kilometres in 21, 22 minutes. Why would I want to be in that group? But I, I saw them having so much fun. So I went over one day and just spoke to Gary and said, what's it all about, mate? And and that's what happens. Typically, people who aren't part of it will see the camaraderie and they'll come over and say, hey, what's this all about? And then sooner or later, they, they buy a singlet and away they go. So, yeah, it's a big it's a big part of it. The, the kit is a very big part of it. certainly stands out. I always see one at pretty much every park run I do now. How do you guys use park run now with the 5.30 runners? 
I'll give you a really good example of how that how that works. On a Saturday morning, usually on a Friday night, um, uh, Friday afternoon, anything time about four o'clock Friday onwards, probably people at work wrapping up this for the week or or they've gone home and they go, they will post and say, okay, where are we park running tomorrow? And within an hour, you'll see over a hundred responses to that, and it's all over the country. So. It, it is, uh, and people go, oh, you know, this this park is having their third birthday and someone's putting on cake, let's go and meet there. Oh, this person's doing their 50th or their 100th run. So a lot of runners will go simply to provide support to either a person or to a park run. So park run really is the is the glue that bonds this group together. Even though there are people in the locations that don't, they don't do park runs, it really is the glue that, that bonds us. Now, I'm going to veer from yeah, the script a little bit here, yep. from our club corner script. Because I know you love adventuring. You're high up on the most events table. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's done a lot, give us your top three park runs. Yeah, okay. That's a, a really, really good one. And, you know, it does actually change for me. Um, but being a trail runner, I'd have to put uh, the top one for me would be uh, Nambour because of its just its sheer toughness um, and the fact that it truly is trail. I find that a really big challenge. Um, I love Albert Park, even though I've only run it as a as a park run event once. I just think that that lap around the lake with the the, the backdrop of the city buildings and the it's just beautiful. And so, um, that's a, just a fantastic park run. Um, my third one, you know, it's a funny one. It's it's um, sort of a bit out of the box. Tari Park Run. I think that's an absolutely beautiful stretch of river there, uh, the Manning River at Tari. And it's a, it's a two-lapper, so you, you can actually see the bridge, and you know you're running down to that and then back twice. Um, but I could name another six a lot like that one, but those three really are, are big for me. I didn't even include my, the one I create, helped create, which is Black Butt, but uh, it'll always be in my top five or six. But, yeah, as a traveller, part of, part of what I love about it is travelling to that park run. So I don't have to travel to Black Butt. It's around the corner. I like Tari. We haven't heard about Tari. So... Good yeah, to hear. It, that. It's That's a cracker. A it's a, well, it's a it's a it's a really it's a real river. You know, it's not like a creek like a lot of Australian rivers. It's a really big, wide river. It's sort of you get a feeling it's a bit like the Mississippi or you know the Amazon. It's a it's a really big, wide river. I, I think it's really impressive. And as a kid, we used to stop there. Like we'd leave to go north for holiday, and we'd stop there and get something to eat after two hours leaving Newcastle. So it has fond memories for me. Anyway, <laughs> I get to fill my stomach. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely run. Going back there in a couple of weeks. Thanks for coming on Club Corner and telling us all about 5.30s this week. Thanks for having me on board. Appreciate it. Happy travels. Is that quickly becoming your favourite segment, Mel? I'm really enjoying it. I love learning about the clubs because I do think they're a very important part of the parkrun experience and I love that we can share that with everybody. And are you on board the parkrun adventures tour bus? If we get this up and going. Who are you asking? I'm asking, You're asking you. You are asking one of the parkrun adventurers if I'm up for an adventure. I'm slightly offended that you even <laughs> need to vocalise that question. Are you happy with South Africa as our first destination? Hell yes. Let's do it. Let's go to SA. Do you reckon any of our listeners will join us? Oh, I think there might be one or two who would put their hand up and say, yep, they're ready for an adventure. Okay. Start saving now, people. Because we're going to have to. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a while before we're able to afford to get there. But yeah. this is your notice. This is everybody's notice. Start putting those pennies away. 
South Africa, South Africa, here we come. Mel, thanks for joining us, joining me this week. You're welcome, Scotty. One of my favourite episodes. But it's time to say goodbye. How do they say goodbye in Afrikaans? Goodbye. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's not it. Any interest in the cricket? That's the one with the red ball, right? Well, I think they have a white one too. <sighs> pink one? I can't keep up with these things. I think there's a pink ball now. Why would there be a pink ball? I think they do a, a short version where it's all dancing girls and rah-rah music. Are you sure you've got the right sport? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. Okay. So during the week, start saving for the South Africa tour and learn a bit more about cricket. Now you can say goodbye. You really just want to prompt me every week, don't you? Like, I have to say the G word. Goodbye. Goodbye.